just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Yesterday, we actually had two podcasts. I had the normal one that came out in the morning. And then later in the day, I came out with one with my uh, reoccurring guest, Ed. It was a good show. You want to check it out if you haven't heard it already. But now we're into a Tuesday and moving through the week and plenty of stuff going on. Before we get started, I have a couple of emails to read from the folks that are listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. If you'd like to send an email, you can do it easily enough. Just send it to rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave a voice message. So uh, there are your options. And of course, I'm always anxious to hear from you. Now, the first one comes from Joshua. He says, Mike, great show today. Thank you. In the past, I've voted for whichever Democrat was strongest on environmental issues and candidates that understood that income inequality was a top-tier issue to fix. These were my two most important issues. Today and for the foreseeable future, my vote goes to whichever candidate is going to fight the hardest for democracy. If we lose our democracy, all other important issues we face will never be solved, such as income inequality, the environment, and even winning the larger global fight for democracy and so much more. The choice for the next two elections is a choice between democracy and autocracy. Elizabeth Warren seems to be rising to the top, in my opinion, for 2024. Joshua. And I think you're right. People will always ask me, what do I think about climate change? What do I think about all these different issues? And and I'll say the same thing. Whenever I have a bunch of problems to contend with, I pick the most important one and I work on that to get that done. Then that's going to make it easier to address the other problems. And Joshua's right. That's the exact situation we're here in this country right now. We have a lot of problems to address But first and foremost, we've got to save democracy. We've got to somehow get out from under this potential autocracy that's hanging over our heads. That's the problem we have to contend with. It's kind of like what I said before about Joe Biden. Joe Biden wouldn't have been my first choice for president, but he is who we needed, and he was who that was available and had the ability to beat Donald Trump. And that was the biggest problem at that point, beating Donald Trump, getting him out of office and trying to repair the wreckage he left behind. Well, Joe Biden did get in office. As I say, he wasn't my first choice, but he's a decent enough president and he's doing what he's expected to do. And it was the one thing we had to do to get rid of Donald Trump. And I'll support that till the end. Um So right now we've got the same problem. We've got the midterms coming up, and we've got 2024 in the offing. We've got a lot of problems to fix, but we've got to fix this issue with democracy. Without democracy, we have nothing, and then there's no point in fighting for anything. So this is the big fight. This is the important fight, and this is what we've got to be going after. The midterms are going to be a big deal. 
if these Trump endorsees win their elections, we could be on the verge of losing our democracy. That seems like I'm being uh, throwing out some hyperbole, but it's not. It's actually really true, and we saw how close we came with the insurrection. The Republicans trying to overturn the election and ultimately overthrow the government. We thought it was just a bunch of people that were mad that were charging into the uh, uh, Capitol. But in fact, what we're finding out now is that there was a pretty extensive plan and strategy put in place. And they were going to address this at all angles. So if they're making that serious push to upend democracy... That is what we've got to focus on. That is what we've got to fix first and foremost before we can do anything else. And what's troubling is some of these other problems need to be addressed. It, we really can't afford to put them on hold, but we have to, because without democracy, all of the other things don't matter. So Joshua, good email. Thank you for the kind words. Next one says, hey, dude, you are the most thoughtful and well-reasoned person that I've ever encountered. My only regret is that we didn't cross paths 20 years ago because we would have helped. You would have helped me become a better person. And I needed it back then. Well, let me tell you something. 20 years ago, I was a different person. I could have probably used your help. Love that you encourage young people to take advantage of the market employment as these things are cyclical and you have to have the confidence and the ability to recognize the marketplace in order to take advantage. Your analysis is consistently spot on and in my opinion you're easily in the top 5% of today's critical thinkers. I don't know about that. You could run this fucking country and I trust that you would make the right decisions for all concerned. Let me say this. I could run it better than Donald Trump. Whether I'd be a a good elected official, I'm not sure. I don't have all the the interests and, and all the talents needed to be a political person. Not very diplomatic. I don't like stupid fucking meetings. I don't like to compromise if I know I'm right and I know you're wrong. So I don't know that I'd be a good choice for an elected official. It would cause some controversy, to be sure. But I can assure you this, I would try to live up to my my oath of office. I would try to maintain democracy and protect democracy and try to help the people that are in need, if I can do that. But the problem is, is the president, as much as Donald Trump would like it to be, isn't omnipotent. They can't make all these decisions. You can blame Joe Biden for certain things, but when you've got the Republicans obstructing him, what are you going to do? He goes on, it's unfortunate that we don't have more people in this world who think the way you do. Well, I'll agree with you there. (laughs) It's too bad we don't have people in my own family that think the way I do. While I may not always agree with you, I'm on board 99.5%. Well, that's a lot more than my wife. And now I'm going to wimp out and sign this anonymous. You see, I told you that I could have used your help 20 years ago to build my own confidence. Thanks for all you do. Well, I tell you what, you can try to sign it anonymous, but your email says your name is Bruce. And Bruce has written many times before. Don't know if you were just kidding or being sarcastic, but I outed you on your first name anyway. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate the email, and I always look forward to the comments, whether they be email or voicemail, that I get from my listeners. I've told you before, 
and I'll say it again. I know this is repetitive and redundant, but the name of the show is Rational Boomer Podcast or on TikTok, Rational Boomer. It's not to suggest that I'm the rational boomer. I am not the rational boomer. There is no rational boomer individual. We're all rational boomers. Even if you aren't a boomer, you're a rational boomer in the sense that we're looking out for this country, looking out for the democracy, and want want what's right for the people of this country. That's all it takes to be a rational boomer. But I appreciate it. I truly do. All right, let's get down to some of the news that we've been looking at. Uh, CNN has obtained uh, 2,319 text messages from Mark Menos that he sent and received between Election Day 2020 and Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th, 21. Now, we knew about these emails. Mark Meadows voluntarily gave up these documents and text messages and such some time back. We don't know why he did. And there's still another thousand that he hasn't given up. Now, this trove of messages shows us how many Republicans in Congress and in the administration were involved in the planning and coordination of the insurrection. We're not talking about rumors or rhetoric. This is literally in black and white in text messages to and from Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Marjorie Greene comes to mind. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene was testifying in a Georgia courtroom recently where they were trying to decide if Greene should be disqualified from running for elected office. We're still waiting for some ruling on that should come in the next couple of weeks. Now, in her testimony, she was asked a lot of things. She didn't remember a lot of things. But it was funny when she didn't remember something and the the lawyer said, well, let's go to the tape. She'd say, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Maybe I do remember that. It was all a ploy for her and she isn't above lying. In that testimony, she was asked if she ever suggested to Meadows and Trump, through Meadows, that they should enact martial law. She said, uh, no. Actually said, I don't really remember. But in a text she wrote to Mark Meadows that was in this trove of text that Mark Meadows turned over, uh, she wrote, essentially, and this is paraphrased to Mark Meadows, Uh, This was January 17th. This is well beyond the insurrection and just a few days before the inauguration. She wrote to Meadows that several GOP lawmakers believed a Trump martial law declaration was the only way to save our republic. And the funny thing about it is when you read the text, she spelt martial law, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. We know, of course, martial law is spelled M-A-R-T-I-A-L, but apparently Marjorie Taylor Greene, a sitting rep in the U.S. House of Representatives, doesn't even know how to fucking spell it. That's not a big surprise. She's not a bright woman. But not only her, but a number of other people uh, suggested martial law. Now, we had no way of knowing this until we saw the text to Meadows from all these people in Congress. Now, the never-been-seen text 
include Trump's family, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, and Donald Trump Jr., White House advisors, cabinet members, party leaders, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Lindell, Sean Hannity, not to mention 40 current and former Republican members of Congress, including Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks, and of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's a little disturbing. You know, other than the fact that we thought at first that it was a bunch of crazed Trumplefucks trying to charge the building because they got angry on the spur of the moment, we are finding out not only is there a long period of um, premeditation, there's strategies and planning, and a number of sitting members of Congress were a party to this criminal behavior. Now, the question is, is it criminal behavior? Well, it may or may not be criminal. I believe it is criminal. But in the case of Marjorie Taylor Greene, suggesting that they should use martial law, maybe there's a debate on criminality. I don't think there is, but maybe they can try. But one thing is for certain. The suggestion of martial law to Mark Meadows and Donald Trump is certainly goes against her oath of office to protect the Constitution and this country. So by way of uh, violating her oath of office, she should be expelled or disqualified from being in the House of Representatives. But here's the problem. If you're in the GOP, there is nothing that disqualifies you from being in the House of Representatives at least according to uh, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, we've seen some amazing things. Matt Gates is under investigation for sex trafficking of children. And that wasn't even enough to kick him out of his position. Now we're seeing people willingly being involved in insurrection, trying to overturn our elections and overthrow this government, and even still... Kevin McCarthy doesn't seem to think that that's far enough to get these people out of Congress. Even Kevin McCarthy, who lies to the American public, who behind closed doors said that Donald Trump should resign or we should use the 25th Amendment. But when he comes out and talks to the public, he's very supportive of Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy is a gutless piece of shit. He is scared to death of Donald Trump. He only wants one thing, and that's to enrich himself by becoming the Speaker of the House. As I've said before in the previous podcast, he's got some problems now. He's fucked up a lot. I mean, a lot. And so he may not only never get to be Speaker of the House, should the Republicans regain majority in the House, but he may not even be able to hold on to his leadership roles. I mean, I got to think, after all these mistakes and these stupid errors, and to actually speaking out against Donald Trump, that's got to piss off some of these trump That can't make him a very popular guy amongst Republicans. So it's conceivable that uh, he could be forced to resign his position of leadership, maybe not his role as a representative, but from leadership. Now, of course, the Republicans, their attitude about this, oh, there's nothing here, nothing happened. 
Well, you did lie to the American public, and you did consider asking Donald Trump to resign. There's no question about that. We heard the audio recording. You can say it's no big deal, but frankly, it's quite a big deal. And Donald Trump has been kind of coy about what he said with uh, Kevin McCarthy. But you can bet that's going to come back to haunt Kevin McCarthy. You don't talk badly about Donald Trump and not get some retribution. That's certainly going to be coming. It's just a matter of when. Maybe Donald Trump thinks now is not the time. But we'll see what happens. Some uh, disturbing news regarding Vladimir Putin and the Ukrainian war. Vladimir Putin is sending signals right now that in addition to invading and attempting to take over Ukraine, he's also looking at the possibility of taking parts of another country, Moldova. Now, they made some advances toward Moldova prior to the Ukraine war. There has been some altercations and some Uh, talk about taking over what is Russia's rightful lands in Moldova. So the problem here, it looks like the greatest fear that people are worried about with Vladimir Putin in Ukraine is that he won't stop at Ukraine. And now all things are pointing to that being true that fear may be realized. Now, Moldova is not in NATO either, much like Ukraine. It's a relatively small country, and he may not want to be taking all of Moldova, but some of it. And I don't know what for what reason other than to just keep pushing his agenda. Now, this has to be a game changer for the U.S. and other NATO countries. National Security Advisor Anthony Blinken said, we have to weaken Russia's military so they aren't able to continue this kind of aggression. That's a big statement from a National Security Advisor to actually say, we need to weaken Russia. That's sure to piss off Vladimir Putin and something a National Security Advisor wouldn't say. But he found it necessary to say at this point, And he no doubt got directions from the White House to do that. But what does that mean? Well, it's it's got to mean something more than what they're doing now. Uh, Something more than what they're currently doing with the sanctions and providing um, weapons and ammunition and money and military vehicles to Ukraine. If they're going to do what they're doing in Ukraine, which is horrific, abhorrent, and then they decide we're going to take it a step farther and go into Moldova, America and NATO has a problem. There's only one way to stop a bully. There's only one way to stop a bully, and that is to punch them back, to knock them on their ass. We know that the only thing that Vladimir Putin respects is strength. And as much as we're helping Ukraine right now, we're not really showing strength, the strength that we could show. I mean, you think about the U.S. and 30 NATO nations. They could wipe Russia off the field in Ukraine in short order. But again, the thing that's holding us back is the opportunity or the possibility of a third world war and nuclear, nuclear conflicts.
So everybody's kind of stuck in the middle. The bully has the upper hand. He's doing what he wants to do, and he's going to keep pushing until he's stopped. But everybody's concerned about the nuclear war. My question is, what are they going to do? And I've asked this question before. We are doing everything we can with the supplying of money, weapons, ammunition. We need to show some strength, but what will that be? Will they step up and say, all right, that's enough. We're going to fucking stop it. I mean, there's still the possibility that he could use chemical weapons or even smaller nuclear weapons in Ukraine if he doesn't win in the Doombas reason. We're really in a tight spot here, and there's going to have to be some hard decisions made. He is the epitome of a bully. And really, the only way to stop a bully is to be tougher, stronger, and knock his ass down. Personally, knock his ass down. So that needs to be done. You have to wonder if there aren't some covert operations being planned for Vladimir Putin. You know, it's funny. Everybody's talking about it. You see Vladimir Putin, and he doesn't look well. There was some video of him in a meeting. He looked kind of bloated. He looked kind of unstable. And he was gripping the desk as if he was using it to hold himself up or stop himself from shaking. I don't know if that's the case, but it certainly is curious that that's what he would be doing. Um, We can only hope that maybe Vladimir Putin ends up uh, waking up dead some morning from whatever illness he has. It can't come too soon, however, and uh, the sooner the better. Or hopefully somebody in the Russian government, the Russian military, will take him out. He's got one thing hanging over his head. He's big on symbolism. May 9th is uh, an anniversary for his win in World War II, or for the Russia's win in World War II, and he would like to see this war end on May 9th. Well, May 9th is, what, a couple weeks away? And he doesn't look like he's any closer to winning in Ukraine than he's ever been. So it might be a problem for him to actually pull off that little bit of symbolism. And I'm sure that's weighing heavily on his mind. I don't know if that means he's going to do something bigger like the chemical weapons or the nuclear weapons. Or he's just going to bypass it and say, well, I didn't really mean that. That's not going to happen. It's hard to say. But we're getting Vladimir Putin pushed to the edge right now. And there's got to be somebody or some group that can push him over that fucking edge, whether it be somebody in Russia itself or somebody in NATO or the U.S. But that has to happen. The atrocities are going to continue in Ukraine. The possibility of invading Moldova and then God knows where. If he's going ultimately to a NATO country, uh, it's going to be World War III anyway. This is a tough spot. And I'll tell you what, if Joe Biden can get us out of this, if he can get us out of this and get this straightened away, he'll be well thought of in history. But it's not an easy situation. There are no easy choices. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But suffice to say, Vladimir Putin needs to be fucking stopped. He is a bully. And somebody's going to have to punch that fucking bully. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Well, it is official. Elon Musk is buying Twitter for $44 billion. 
He says he's doing it to save free speech. Now, I know a lot of people like this guy, but for me, not so much. I don't honestly trust him. Doesn't he have enough stuff going on with the Tesla Motor Company, the space stuff, and all the other things he's doing? Does he need to get richer than he already is? They're saying he's the richest guy in the world. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they say. But now he wants to buy Twitter. Now, Twitter is a publicly traded company. When Elon Musk buys it, it will be privately held by him. It's like Elon Musk, little plaything. Now, the troubling part of this is that Twitter is probably the most popular platform, social media platform out there. And for whatever reason, he doesn't think that they are employing uh, loose enough terms for the First Amendment right for freedom of speech. It's a tough job for an app, you know. Uh, They want to let people say whatever they want, but unfortunately, when you do that on the Internet, you get some horrific things. I mean, look at 4chan or 8chan or some of these other places that have no rules or regulations at all. And you have to wonder if that's what Elon Musk wants to do with Twitter. Some other people have said they want to make it a pay app, meaning if you want to be on Twitter, you have to pay five bucks, seven bucks, 10 bucks a month to be on the app. Personally, if that's his plan to make it a pay app, a pay gate, it's going to fail miserably. People are not going to pay for something that they've gotten free for years. They'll find other options. There are other options. There's TikTok, for example, and there'll be other options that crop up. I don't know that he'd be stupid enough to do this. I mean, Elon Musk, as much as he may not be the greatest guy in the world, he certainly isn't stupid, and clearly he knows how to make money. He isn't going to do something that costs him money, especially when he pours $44 billion into it. It's pretty amazing. One thing you have to remember about Elon Musk, he's not the most uh, trustworthy guy. Do you remember when he told... uh, some people, some big organization. Look, if you could find a way to end hunger for $6 billion, I'll give you the $6 billion. So in short order, they came up with a plan to end hunger for $6 billion, presented it to Elon Musk. And you know what he did about it? Fucking nothing. He's a big talker and he doesn't follow through with what he does. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I didn't think he'd actually buy Twitter. I didn't think he wanted that. You would think he's busy enough. A lot of people are afraid that Musk will allow Donald Trump back onto the platform, that he will start his inflammatory tweets and lies and bring him back to where he was prior to the 2020 election. And I hear this a lot. People are scared by that. These are the same people that swore that Donald Trump was going to win in 2020 and the and the sky is going to fall. I don't think that's the case. I don't think we have to worry about that at all. First, Donald Trump just yesterday said he would not get back on the platform. Now, you got to take that with a grain of salt, of course, because Donald Trump is a pathological liar. And if me, Elon Musk, wants to entice him back onto Twitter, all he has to do is pat him on the back and tell him he's a fucking genius, and Donald Trump will be back in seconds.
But the problem with it is people think that if he gets back on Twitter, it's going to be like it used to be. And that's not the case. Twitter's different than it was before Donald Trump left office and before he was banned. Donald Trump is vastly different than he was when he was on Twitter. Keep in mind, when he was on Twitter, he was president of the United States. He had power. He's no longer president. His support is waning. And he no, he's no longer getting cover for all the corruption and criminality. Now, he's on Twitter, and Mueller report comes out, and he claims, oh, it's all fake news, and I'm exonerated, and all of this stuff. And he got away with it because he had a Senate, and he had a media that covered for him because he was good copy. His corruption and criminality is being exposed every day, and he doesn't have the cover he once had. It just doesn't exist anymore. Um, He can do whatever he wants on Twitter, but it's not going to have as big an impact as it once had. You can't go home again. Isn't that what that famous poet said? You can't go home again. And Donald Trump can't go home again to Twitter. I personally hope he gets back on Twitter. Every time he speaks, he embarrasses himself, the Republican Party, and he's constantly implicating himself. He says the wrong things at the wrong times, exposing himself for the criminality and corruption he's committing. If he's allowed back on Twitter, it might accelerate his demise. Let's not forget his personal app, Truth Social, which he seems to have problems remembering, uh, has been a complete failure. Donald Trump himself has not even posted on Truth Social. So Donald Trump's pulling power isn't quite what it once was. Let's not forget about that app, True Social. It has been an unmitigated failure. Everything Donald Trump does is a fucking failure. And if Elon Musk's plan is to bring Donald Trump and let him do whatever he wants, it's going to be a much different situation. As I said, Twitter is currently the biggest platform there is. Elon Musk uh, is unlikely to dr- uh, dramatically change it or or make the app worse. I mean, he's still a businessman. He doesn't want to do something that damages Twitter. It's working pretty well. It's very successful. You change it dramatically, and that's going to change what kind of money you can earn. I d- understand every app has a shelf life, you know? In technology, thing come, things come, and eventually they go away because something better comes along. Now, if what Elon Musk does with Twitter people don't like, they won't use it anymore. I mean, you remember MySpace, right? What was hotter than MySpace? Well, now you can't find MySpace. It outlived its usefulness. It had an expiration date. And even if Twitter continues to go great guns, that too will have an expiration date. TikTok will have an expiration date. This is a world in technology where things change quickly and other things become successful because they're perceived to be a little bit better. So Elon Musk might be getting in on this on the downside of Twitter. It's been around a long time. And yes, it's a powerful app. 
But, again, there is a shelf life to it. The other thing to remember, too, if you think Elon Musk is going to make this a Trump app, a trump fuck app, the fact is, is there's more people that look at Donald Trump adversely in this country than people that support him. The people that support him that are rabid about it make up maybe 30 to 32 percent of this country. If he turns Twitter into something that's nothing but a support vehicle for Donald Trump, a lot of these other people are going to go away. I mean, nobody's going to true social. And if they go away, this app becomes worth very little. And Elon Musk will look like a fool because he would have lost $44 million. I know you're saying Twitter's very powerful. That could never happen to Twitter. It could if you fucking change it. And if that's what Elon Musk is planning to do, he's in for all kinds of problems. So I don't think that's what he's going to do. One of the big things that he suggested is putting an edit button so you can go in and edit what you're doing on your tweet. And that's valuable in the sense that, you know, when people type in things like Donald Trump and misspell it or autocorrect or whatever, that you can go back and edit it and fix it so it looks perfect when it finally goes out. That's not a real big deal. I think a lot of people in Twitter want that. I've heard that uh, Ed was telling me in the previous show that there's some exposure to spam and scammers when you have that ability. I don't know what that is, why that is. I don't care. I'm not a big user of Twitter. I have a Twitter account. I've posted a couple times. I've never really liked Twitter. I don't know why. Um, I read some other tweets from you know, people in news, people in politics, and I'll get some information that way, but I can't get all the information I want from it. I have to take what I hear and then dig it out further in other news sources and that sort of thing. People are very worried. They keep worrying about Donald Trump coming back in a big way and doing what he did for the past four years. That's not going to happen. That can't really happen. It's a much different time, a much different situation. And Donald Trump will not be able to do that. I promise you this. I promise you that it won't be a big deal. And I don't think Elon Musk, once he starts getting some uh, pushback and some backlash from whatever he's going to do, he's going to step back from it. He's got $44 million or billion dollars in this fucking app. It's a fucking app for $44 billion. He is not going to risk losing all that money just to fuck around and find out. Just not going to do it. He's smarter than that. All right. Next up. Yesterday, Donald Trump became the first former president of the United States to be found in contempt of court. New York Attorney General Letitia James is running an investigation looking into fraud committed by the Trump Organization and Donald Trump himself. James subpoenaed Trump's documents, and not surprisingly, he's refused to comply to those subpoenas. I mean, this is what Donald Trump does. All he does is try to delay, try to delay and disrupt any investigation or subpoenas or any of those sorts of things. I mean, you think about it, all these Trumplicans, 
all these politicians that have been subpoenaed by the January 6th committee or will be subpoenaed by the January 6th committee are refusing to show up. And they are refusing to show up. Now we're finding out because they do have information and they were involved in this insurrection. They're afraid if they step up and start speaking that they will be implicated, as they probably will. So this is where the time we need Merrick Garland to step up and start prosecuting these people like Steve Bannon, like Mark Meadows. Give people a reason to be concerned and give them a reason to actually testify because their own future, their own freedom is on the line. Now, Letitia James is an excellent attorney general, a great prosecutor, and a tenacious investigator. When Donald Trump refused to comply with the subpoena, she went to the judge, asked that Trump be found in contempt of court. Well, the Trump, uh, the judge agreed and, in fact, found Donald Trump in contempt of court. The judge added there is a fine of $10,000 per day until he delivers those documents. Now, a lot of people are looking down their noses at this. A lot of people will say, that's no big deal. He's a billionaire or he'll never pay. First of all, he's not a billionaire. If he does pay these fines, he'll grift it from his dumb trump or make the Republican Party pay for it. I'll grant you that. But the fact of the matter is to suggest that he just won't pay and he'll get away with it. <laughs> You've never dealt with the government and owed them money. Because, you see, they will get their money one way or another. They'll take it out of your taxes. They'll take back your property. They'll take it out of your paycheck, whatever. The government is going to get their money if you owe it to them. And you don't uh, commit fraud to try to hide it from them. Of course, that's what they're working on now. But this is a clear debt that's going to be owed to the government. And uh, it's $10,000 a day until he delivers the documents. The best thing he's going to do is grift the money. But that money then will go to the court and won't go in his pocket, and that will drive him nuts. Now, the biggest thing here is that Trump is an extreme narcissist. The fact that he lost again, he hates looking like a loser. See, that's the big difference since he's no longer president. He's in a position where he can fail and he can lose, and these losses are starting to mount up. He's going to rallies, and uh, not as many people are showing up. He claims he's going to start this big, powerful app, True Social, and it fucking fails miserably. The worst thing you can do to a narcissist is call them a loser. In fact, at his rally recently, he was talking about, I can't believe people say I'm dumb, and then he proceeded to act fucking dumb. Donald Trump is very concerned about how people perceive him. And the moment he believes or understands that people think he's stupid, this hurts him more than any fine or any sanction or anything that you could do to him, short of putting him in jail. This is the thing that drives him nuts. And this is the thing that puts him in the corner. As I've told you before, narcissists have a typical way they go through this process. 
They bully, they push around, they get away with it, they get away with it until they don't get away with it. They get pushed into a corner. They can't bullshit their way out. The facts are in the public eye. And now they look bad. Now they look like losers. This is when they start flailing and getting dangerous and maybe even getting violent in certain circumstances. And that's where Donald Trump is now. This is coming at him from all angles. He cannot win, but he cannot be perceived as a loser. In this situation, with these fines and this contempt of court, the fines don't matter. The judgment of contempt of court gives the perception of him losing again. I mean, how many Supreme Court cases has he lost? How many federal court cases has he lost? This is driving Donald Trump nuts. It gets in his head, and he's going to react badly. And like I said before, if you decide to put him back on Twitter, good, because he'll just fuck up some more. He'll make himself complicit of any number of things that we know he's responsible for, but he'll fucking own up to it on Twitter because he's so stupid. He thinks he's smart enough that he could bullshit his way through something, but he can't. He always fails at it. Now, this situation with Letitia James, when we're at this point where he's she's subpoenaing, sending out subpoenas for his documents, that means we're getting close to an end of that investigation. Now, whether he supplies those documents or not, my guess is that she has more than enough evidence to take this thing to court, and she will. Now, I think people sometimes misunderstand what's going on with Letitia James. What's going on with Letitia James is, in fact, a civil case. Regardless of what happens, there's no way Donald Trump is going to jail because it's a civil case. I've had people come to my post and say, well, he'll never go to jail. No, not on this one. It's a fucking civil case. Now, Letitia James is supposed to be working hand in hand with with the Manhattan District, but we know there's all kinds of problems as to whether they're going to pursue Donald Trump or not. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I am because he was getting heat. We don't know really what's going to happen with with the Manhattan District. But if the Manhattan District does proceed, that is criminal. And that's where Donald Trump could be indicted and ultimately go to jail. So we're going to be watching this very closely. I doubt Donald Trump will turn anything over. I know some of his people have said that uh, that uh, there's nothing there. He doesn't have anything. Well, sure, he probably burned it, flushed it down the toilet, tore it up, shredded it, ate it for all we fucking know. But a lot of this stuff is going to be digital. And somebody pointed out there might be a phone in New York at the Trump Tower and maybe another phone someplace else, but they haven't grabbed those up yet. So the question is, are they? And if they go there to get it, will they still exist? But again... Those documents won't be the only thing that puts Donald Trump in the loser's chair again in this potential lawsuit by the attorney general. They want it. It would help them. But I'll guarantee you they've already got enough to do what they need to do to Donald Trump. So we'll watch that. We'll see how that continues. Last thing I wanted to bring up, something I talked about uh, earlier in the weekend. 
Did you watch the Piers Morgan interview? Gotta be honest, I didn't. I wanted to, but I forgot about it. There was many other things more important. Like I was really focused on my granddaughter's birthday. That's all I really cared about this past weekend. But Monday I could have watched it, but I didn't. I went out to dinner with my wife and my son, which was far more fun, I'm sure, than watching that uh, interview. Now, if any of you did see it, I would be curious as to your impression about it. Send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you thought. Now, the information I'm getting about it is that... uh, It really wasn't quite as good as what the trailer suggested it would be. That a lot of the interview was softballs by Piers Morgan. We know that Piers Morgan and Donald Trump have a long relationship because Piers Morgan was on the, uh, on the, uh, what is it? What was it? Whatever show that Donald Trump did. I can't think of the name. I don't know. I want to say entrepreneur. It's not it. Um, But He was on the show. He won the show. He had a relationship with Donald Trump. And we know that Piers Morgan is equally as big a piece of shit as Donald Trump. So I'm not a fan of either one of these guys. I wouldn't take great joy in watching it. But if Donald Trump made a fool of himself, I would have liked to have seen it. So I'm curious as to what you folks saw and uh, what's your review on that interview. In the end, it doesn't really mean much. Donald Trump can look dumb on his own at his own rally or in whatever speech he might be giving. But it's always good to see Donald Trump put in his place. And now I'm hearing that that really wasn't the fact in this particular interview. So I'm curious as to what you think, what you saw, and what's your review of that interview. I'm really anxious to hear that. Again, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm and leave me a voicemail. Just look for the Rational Boomer Podcast, and you'll be able to leave a voicemail. All right, let's wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer Podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time you do with me. It's it's amazing to me, and I appreciate it immensely. I hope you have a great day. We'll see where the week takes us. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.